This talk was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church, as part of the 2022 Summer Training Project. For more information on Summer Training Project or Campus Outreach Minneapolis, visit cominneapolis.org. That's one of my favorite things when I move, when we come back and staff, is just to hear how the Lord has worked with each and one of your lives. And so it's just really sweet to hear you three share your testimony, or your testimony of what the Lord has done this summer. Um, and so right now, Ethan is handing out these handouts. So you can use this if you want, or you can use the page in your notebook as well. But I'm kind of giving a handout to make it a little bit easier to follow if you'd like. Um, so this is the last night, it's the final rally. Um, it's always a bittersweet time because, in one sense, I was talking to Emily and Emily was really sad this last day. And I'm like, I mean, it will make you sadder when you, when you think about this for the last time you'll see some of these people. Um, which, that probably wasn't helpful, but that's reality. There's people around my first product I've never seen again. Um, which is sad. I'm sorry. That's not how it But in one sense, then, it's, it's, it's sweet because. Uh, the Lord has used people in this room to shape you, to show you more of Christ. And these memories, like I have memories from 2009 that people I haven't seen, but it was they're great memories. And so uh, I am super excited for you guys. And so tonight I wanna I wanna bring us back to the, the theme of exiles. And this summer, um, you guys have been reading First Peter and you've been learning a lot about exiles. And my hope is that one thing that we've been learning is that um, if if you are a Christian, then you're in exile, which means that this is not our home. Our home is in heaven. Um, this is not our home. And so, one of my goals for this talk is for you guys to embrace your life as an exile. Not just to live like an exile, because you are an exile. And so, to, to live that out. Um, and so, the first point, if you look at the paper I handed out to you, is um, we love stories that involve... Um, great trials. And so, this is part of the reason why we watch sports, this is why we like March Madness, we want the underdog to win, the 16 seed to beat the 1 seed, um, 30 for 30s are great because they're great stories, and they're great stories about people, athletes who have got to go, had to go through great trials. And so, raise your hand if you ever heard of Matt Ryan. Okay, raise your hand if you've heard of Matt Ryan, the basketball player. That's right, no, but except Sanders, of course. Um, so, Matt Ryan was drafted in 2020, um, and he got drafted, I think, by the Denver Nuggets, and he was dropped, so he didn't actually get to play in the NBA. And the last year and a half, um, he has been living at home in a DoorDash delivery guy. So I have a quick video of him, and then I'll talk about it. How gratifying is that this type of thing? All that hard work really is being moved. Um, he just hit the game winner right there. It's pretty emotional. I don't know if you guys heard my story, but you know, I was driving door this year ago. I'm here to be a part of the Boston Celtics. It's a special, it's a special. So what happened was that he, um, he, he got picked up by the Boston Celtics for some reason this summer. And the last year and a half, he's been in the gym like four or five hours a day, just getting out shots. He hasn't really had an opportunity to show himself. 
And then for these two games, he just top fired. Shot like over 50% from three, he averaged 23 half game, no, 23 half points per game. And then he hit this shot over, I forgot who it was, but it was against the Milwaukee Bucks. And then the boss itself signed him to a two-way contract, which um, I looked that up. You know what's funny that is? It's $502,000, which is incredible. Um, but part of it, the reason that's a great story, and I remember, I love NBA stuff, so this is probably only for NBA nerds, but like that that was incredible. He's 25, 25 year olds usually don't get picked up like this. And so, um, but part of it is like we, we long to see stories like this. We love to see people overcome greater trials. And so, um, what is a trial? A trial is, um, according to Google, a test of the performance, quality, or suitability of someone or something. And so, um, Boston mentioned this, but first Peter, we've been learning a lot about, um, he said, I think, hard times or trials that you're faced. Another thing that we've been reading in first Peter is suffering. Um, what is suffering? Experience or be subjected to something bad or unpleasant. So in First Peter, trials is mentioned twice, and, seven, um, and suffering is mentioned 17 times. And so none of us go about looking for trials or suffering. Um, we don't necessarily welcome those things. Um, but yet, often, that's what creates a great story. The Lord is doing this. He's going to be doing this in our lives. But um, I think part of the reason why First Peter does this, he mentions this, because he's trying to prepare his readers. He's trying to prepare exiles for what's to come. That there's going to be trials and there's going to be suffering that are going to come. Um, I was just thinking back to some projects that I've been on. And um, before I go there, maybe um, there's there you are all going to face trials um, in your life and suffering. And I don't know what that's going to look like. All suffering is hard. Some of your suffering that you'll experience will be tremendous. Um, and I just think of my first project in a couple of stories. I remember um, there was this guy named Elliot, and this was like 2010, and he just had found out around on a project that he had cancer, and that he was only had months or a couple of years to live. Um, and, and I'm sure that's not how he would have wrote his story. And another girl on that project, they ended up getting married, and even though they knew that he was going to die, he ended up dying at age 25, and I see her Facebook post every year. And they're so beautiful about how she has been treasuring Christ more of it, more of that. But that's a that's a great, great suffering to have your husband die at the age of twenty-five, to have him die. Um, another story is two people are out project, they end up they end up getting married, and then her husband um, ends up walking away from the faith and moves out and no longer wants to live with her or be a Christian. And yet I've seen how she has longed and prayed and pursued for him to come back, um, which did. He came back and he's living with them and having a child together. But there, there's that was great suffering or great trial that they went through. Um, some other things would be um, friends leaving the faith, um, division among people, many, many miscarriages, um, loved ones suffering from cancer and various sicknesses, physical ailments, um, rejection for sharing your faith. And, and so that's some suffering and trials, and those are all things outside of you that might be coming your way that you're going to be facing. And then, yet, yeah, there's something else. There's something that's inside of you um, that is broken, and, and it's a sin problem. Um, we're still broken and sinful as exiles. And so there will be moments um, a year from now, in a year from now, that you will doubt God's goodness. Um, there will be moments when you fall, fall back into old sin patterns. There will be moments or times when you 
look to serve yourself instead of your friend, your spouse, your neighbor, even your children, um, because we're still broken. And so maybe you need to look at First Peter, Peter, and what First Peter says that you're gonna face. I just jot, jotted down a handful of things. It says that you will face trials that will test you. Um, you may be called an evildoer. You may be tempted to be conformed to your former passions. You may be tempted by the passions of your flesh that wage war against your soul. You may endure suffering while doing good. You may face fiery trials that test you as though something strange were happening to you. And you may be insulted for the name of Christ. Um, and that's that's what First Peter has what we've been reading all summer. Yet, trials um, and suffering are not without purpose. Um, a couple years back, when Edwin, my son, he's three now, but when he was 11 months, um, he was sick for a couple days, but we didn't really know what was going on with him. And we were, this was Easter morning, and we were about to bring him into urgent care, but we were waiting for the open. open. And all of a sudden, like, he's playing with his car seat, and then all of a sudden he started crying. And the crying escalated, escalated really quickly to the point where it wasn't just a cry, but it was an pain of the cry, like screaming cry. So Ariana picks him up, and then all of a sudden, like five seconds later, he just goes in. His eyes go back, his head goes with drops. And I was thinking, my son just died, and my wife's not going to see him. It was the saddest, darkest moment in my life. And Ariana grabbed him, went outside, and it was really cold outside. I was on 911 calling for an ambulance, and then all of a sudden, there was a big gust of wind, and it woke him up. And so, I was so thankful for that. But we got an ambulance, we went to Children's Hospital, and we got to Children's Hospital, and they're doing blood testing, and they weren't sure what was going on with them. So they sent us to the 7th floor of Children's Hospital, which the 7th floor of Children's Hospital is for with um, all children who have blood disorders or cancer. And that was so hard to see that because we're up there and there's other children up there, um, some children that didn't have hair that have cancer that are riding in the school down the hall. And a lot of them, some of them may not live that much longer. And I'm sitting there with Edwin, we're not sure what's going on with, with his blood condition and thinking that we might not have it in that much longer. Um, and I remember in those moments that I was thinking, I will do anything, I just want the best doctor best medicine, whatever it takes to keep my little boy alive. Um, it was, it, the amount of pain I felt was tremendous. Um, I was thinking I would, I just, anything to help me. Um, and yet, um, I knew that Edwin needed something more than the best doctor, that he needed more, more than something than just the best medicine. I needed something more than that. And that semester, Ariana and I were memorizing Psalm 139, um, which was a few things Psalm 139. Really stood up to us. One, it says that the darkness is not dark for God. Another thing was that the Lord knit him together in his mother's womb, and that his days were numbered. Um, what I needed the most in that moment, and this brings me to the, my main point. So when you're facing, um, when you face trials or suffering, um, what should we do as an exile? Um, I believe that what we need to do is entrust our. And fully entrust yourself to God. So as an exile, entrust your, yourself fully to God. This comes from 1 Peter 4, 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. 
Um, so what I needed the most in that moment, what I don't need the most, we need to God. We need to trust ourselves fully to God. And so what what would that look like for me? Um, I think in that moment, what that looked like for me was to say, Father, I don't, I, I can't do anything. I'm, I'm helpless. I can't do anything. Um, the best doctor, the best uh, medicine, what we need is you. Um, what I need the most in life is you to help. Um, this uh, suffering is tremendous. And so a picture that has helped me, and this is a picture of this bridge. And so the idea here is that um, that's a pretty big steep drop off. And it would be scary to walk across that bridge. Um, and so part of it, I think, is part of what it means to entrust yourself fully to God um, is walking across this bridge. And so you could say, um, that bridge, I believe that will hold me. But yet you could say, but I don't want to walk across it. Um, then there's something in that that maybe you don't really fully believe that that bridge is going to hold you. Or you don't really trust that bridge um, for your life. And so what I want to look at is why, I want to look at three reasons why I think we can trust God. Um, why we can why we can trust ourselves fully to Him. So the first one is, um, He is the God of all grace. And you guys just read this a couple days ago. It's in 1 Peter 5. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ, Will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. I'll look at three words here. The first one is little. Um, as much as your suffering might be, as much as your trials might be, it, it says here it's only for a little while. Like your identity as an exile is temporary. There will be a time when you go back home. The next thing that says to me is all grace. So God isn't just the God of some grace, but all grace. Like all grace, that like he is sufficient, um, he is powerful. And then the third one is himself. He's not delegating it to someone else. He's not saying, okay, I'll have the angels do this or somebody else. But he himself is going to restore you, confirm you, strengthen you, and establish you. He's worthy. He's worthy to entrust your life to you. The next one is, um, oh yeah, let me go back. Miss that. It was, he, he will take care of you, um, is my, my main point here. So he will take care of you. The second reason why I think we can entrust ourselves with him is because he ransomed you with his son's precious blood. So this is our theme verse, or the, the, end, the second half of it. Knowing that you are ransomed from the feudal way, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of the Lamb fell. Spot, without blemish or spot. So, um, he didn't buy with, with gold or silver. You can buy almost anything with money, but um, it cannot buy your salvation. It can't, can't buy your sin problem. And he didn't withhold his greatest possession for you, his own son, his own son's blood. Um, I remember when I became a Christian in high school, um, and this was around the time when um, I thought my girlfriend at the time was and um, I remember I had a pit in my stomach. Um, I was thinking my life and my reputation were ruined. I was thinking, um, what are my friends going to think? What are my coaches going to think? Um, I, I was just felt at a loss. And so I went to a church by myself that I knew that my friend had gone to. 
just because I was helpless because I'm like, I don't know what else to do. So I ended up going there, and it was during the worship during a worship song, um, and the song called Jesus Paid It All came up. Um, and I remember listening to the lyrics, and um, it was the part where it says, "Your sin had left a crimson stain, but He washes you white as snow." And um, before I heard that, my biggest problems in my life were what I, what the consequences of what, what I just did, um, or what I thought was coming. Like my reputation was going to be ruined. Um, I screwed up. Like this is not good. But the Lord in that moment just pierced me, um, and He made it very clear to me that my biggest problem was not that. My biggest problem was my sin. That my sin had left a crimson stain. That I was living a life uh, that pursued sexual, sexual morality. I was living a life that was consumed about myself and what other people thought about me. I was living a life that was not kind to my mom, not loving my mom. And it was just very clear that that was my greatest problem in life, was my sin. And yet the answer was right there that he washed me white as snow. And he did this by his son's precious blood. Like, that's the best news in the world. Like, that is the gospel. That's what we all need. And and I, just even after I heard that, my outlook on life was, man, my grace help has just been solved. Like, whatever comes there, it is okay. Like, I felt excited to move forward with whatever was going to happen. And whatever the consequences were going to be. Like, I, my grace help was just solved. Therefore, all my other problems are just so small in comparison. And so that brings me to this. Um, if, if he gave up his son to ransom us, then we can entrust our lives fully to him. Like he, he gave up his son, his precious blood, um, for your payment to ransom you. The next one is, um, he is keeping an inheritance in heaven for you. So 1 Peter 3, um, B-5 says this. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. By God's power, are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And so, here we have an inheritance that will not perish, that cannot be defiled, and is unfading. Um, and it's God's power that is guarding it. Like that is immovable. It's not going anywhere. And so, my freshman year in college, I went to college with, I would say, four main things that I centered my life around. Um, one was that girl I was dating. Two was athletics. Three was um, friends. And then four was, uh, did I say um, grades? Did I say grades? Grades. That was the fourth one. And, and I would say how I was doing, if you're asking Lucas, how are you doing? It was fully based on mainly those four things. Um, if those things were going well, then great. If those four things were, one of those things were not going well, then I was not doing as well. And my freshman year, the Lord took all of those and just ripped them out of my life. The girl I was dating ended up seeing a player through them, so she left. Like, I wasn't good enough to play sports for a D1 school, so that was gone. None of my friends went to do them with me, so that was gone. And then I ended up failing in class my freshman year as well, probably because I lost all those other things. I'm somewhat depressed, and that was gone. Um, he had this guy named Dylan Schumacher, um, a weird guy, and he 
what you, I remember the first time meeting him, he was wearing all black, he had tattoos and a mouth on. And I'm like, oh gosh, who is this guy? That guy was ball camp, sorry, he was a senior and he loved Jesus. He had Romans 6.3 tattooed right on his bicep. That's how he became a Christian instructor. He was like this anarchist punk kid. But he started, he asked me to read the Bible. And so I started reading the Bible from every week. I was reading through Philippians. And that summer, my I grew in the gospel so rapidly that I was learning so much about who Jesus was and how he was better than anything. And one of the big things I learned in freshman year was that even though all those four things, a girl, grade, athletics, friends, could all fade, could all perish, what I had in Christ would never perish, could never fade, could never be defiled. Like that was immovable. Like no matter what, that was steady, that was consistent. Um, and that's what I needed. That was so good for me. Um, and so, this brings me um, to this point. Your trial, suffering, and sin are all temporary, but your inheritance in heaven is eternal. So when we entrust ourselves to God in the midst of whatever trials that we face, whatever suffering or sin that we're your way, here down the road, um, what does this show us about God? And I think um, it proclaims His excellencies. Well, let me go back a couple. Um, um, proclaims his excellency. So 1 Peter 2 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we we have been um, we have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light, and part of these the way that God is writing his story, it is making much of him. Um, it is, it's showing his excellencies. And so I have a story of a guy. Um, does anyone know the story of It Is Well With My Soul, the person who wrote that song, maybe some of you? Um, it's always been really interesting for me. So I'll just recall it. Um, this, his name is Horatio uh, Stafford. He was a successful lawyer and real estate um, investor in Chicago. And he had a wife named Anna and they had four daughters and one son. And then in 1871, his son died at the age of four from scarlet fever. And then a few months after that, the great Chicago fire had happened and it burned down most of his property. So in a span of a few months, like he lost his son, his four-year-old son, and then he lost a lot of his property and his wealth. And then two years after that, his family had a trip planned to go to Europe and he was both to be honest, but he had to stay back for business with his wife and four daughters went on a ship to Europe. And while they were going, their ship hit another ship and sank rapidly. And his four daughters had died and only his wife had died. And so it was, he just lost all of his children, a lot of his wealth. And you'd think that his hope, his state, would have been not what this song shows. So this is when he wrote It Is Well With My Soul right after this happened. Um, and so that shows you it is well with my soul, which we're going to look at some of the lyrics in a bit, that his hope was not on this earth. His hope was in heaven. His hope was in eternity. And so, um, I, just want to, I just want to read these verses, or these lines. Uh, I'm not going to sing it. You don't want to hear that. Um, 
When peace like a river is my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trial should come, lest this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless state and has shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, all oh, the bliss of this glorious love, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh, my soul. So in the midst of this great, great suffering, like he is praising the Lord. He is showing how the Lord is excellent um, in the midst of it. His hope wasn't here, but it was, it was eternal. So what, what else does this show us? Um, or what, what does this show us about us? What is brought to me? What is brought to you? And I think it brings, when we experience this thing, it brings us more joy. So First Peter 1, 6 and 7. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Christ. And so I think um, trials and suffering, now here it's a rejoice. Rejoice over the fact that your faith is being tested. Um, because it's going to be found to result in praise and glory and honor. Just like when gold is refined that goes through the fire, it's being um, it's being tested, and it's going to produce something. And so, so like we love good stories. Um, like even with the, the Matt Ryan, the no one really knew about him. Like we're drawn to stories like that. Um, and I think that suffering and trials are not just good for you. But I think they're needed. Like they're needed for our hearts. Like the Lord is is doing a work in our heart to become more like Him. And I think He is using these things because He wants you to have more. To have more of God, to have more of Christ, and enjoy more of Him. Um, and so, I think God is writing the best stories. And I just, I'm, I'm just really excited to see what He's going to do in your lives. Um, maybe there's another "It Is Well with My Soul" song that will be written in this room. Um, the stories and, and just the, the ways that He's going to show you more of Him, show you more of His excellencies. The ways that you guys are going to bless other people, um, like the stories are going to be really sweet. Um, and, I, and he is the God of the best stories. The last thing I want to end on is that um, you are free to fail. I don't know what all the trials and suffering that you're going to face after today. Um, like I said earlier, some of yours will be tremendous. Um, but I know at some level, we're not, you're not going to suffer well all the time. You're not going to suffer perfectly. And you're not going to always overcome temptation. And um, if you think of that bridge analogy again, like you, you may be walking across that bridge and trusting that bridge um, with your life, but you might still fall down that bridge. But that doesn't change the fact that that bridge is still holding you up. Um, this is why the gospel is so sweet. Christ is perfect for you. Um, he, he never sinned. He, didn't, he, was, he never was overcome by temptation. He suffered perfectly. Um, and so my hope is that you feel the freedom. Like I, I mentioned all those things, those are the goals that we want to suffer well. We 
you want to face these things well, open Christ. But you, we have the freedom in Christ to fail. And so, um, entrust, um, when, so when you sin, when you suffer, when you fall down, um, entrust yourself to the one who will restore, who will restore you, who will hold you fast. Um, because he will take care of you. He was in paradise for you that is unfading, um, perishable, um, and undefiled. And so, um, I, let me let me close with us a close for us in prayer. Father, I thank you for these minutes and the ways that you are working in their lives um, to show them more of better than um, I pray that they would trust um, their lives fully because you are good. That they would taste the goodness of all the um, That you would sustain each and every one of them the day that they come. Uh, that they would live, they would embrace the life of the name of um, Remembering that this is not their home. That they would enjoy the Thanksgiving, gladly, the Thanksgiving, but remembering that their home is in heaven. And so we, we need you. So I don't have reflection questions, but I thought maybe for maybe a couple minutes, I would love for you to take one thought from this talk and just discuss with your neighbor for a couple minutes. Just one takeaway, one thought, and then I believe um, they and the team will come up for this. Thank you for listening to this message from the 2022 Summer Training Project hosted by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church. Please feel free to share this message with others, but please don't charge, edit, or alter the content in any way without the written permission of Campus Outreach Minneapolis.